Business Executives for National Security welcomes you to Building the Base. Here, thought leaders and practitioners discuss how we can ensure our shared security and prosperity through shaping the future of the national security industrial base. Your hosts are Silicon Valley defense expert Lauren Bedula, along with Ben's distinguished fellow and former head of acquisition for the Navy, Marines, and Special Operators, Hondo Gertz. Welcome back to Building the Base. Lauren Badula and Hondo Gertz here with today's guest, Jim Hake. Jim founded Spirit of America prior to the attacks on 9-11, a really interesting nonprofit organization, which we haven't had many perspectives from on the, sh- on the show here. So excited to dig into that today. And Jim, of course, had a really interesting career prior to that as an entrepreneur as well. So um, Jim, thanks for joining us today to tell your story. It's, it's great to be here with you. Thank you. So, Jim, it's, uh, you know, we're going to get in, dig into the spirit of America here in that whole uh, interesting last two decades. But give our listeners a little background, kind of where you came from, kind of what set you on the trajectory, and get us all the way to the start of this uh, idea of creating this new bold nonprofit. Well, I grew up in Philadelphia. I was born in Philadelphia, grew up in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is the where our nation uh, was born. And uh, growing up, we had a copy of the Declaration of Independence on the stairs from, you know, on the stairway up from downstairs up to the the bedrooms and everything. And, uh, you know, before starting Spirit of America, I had no government or military background at all. But for, you know, maybe because we had the uh, Declaration of Independence on the stairway or uh, spent a lot of time down by the Liberty Bell and, and Independence Hall, I always had a very strong feeling and belief in what America stands for and how important that is. And I'm an entrepreneur. I love starting things. I love ideas. I love creating. And America provides the best opportunity for the realization of the human potential there is. And I know as a country, we're not perfect. But what we stand for is as close to perfect as you get. And so after the attacks of 9-11, I wanted to do something to stand up for what we stand for. Fantastic. And Jim, I, I saw you recently talked about in an interview about na- gaps in national security and gaps in defending freedom and democracy that can't be filled by government alone. Can you talk about what you meant by that statement? Well, since we work so closely with uh, U.S. military and State Department personnel, and what we do is provide private assistance in support of national security objectives. And everyone thinks, of course, and properly so, that national security really is the responsibility of the government. What people are not familiar with is that there are gaps in what we need to do to fulfill you know, national security objectives and what government can do. People are very familiar with the idea of uh, that there are gaps in public education and a role for private philanthropy and gaps in public health. But we have broken ground in terms of filling those gaps in national security with private assistance and the th- kind of things that only uh, citizens and entrepreneurial approaches uh, you know, can fill. So it's been a bit of an education process for us to have people understand that, well, just like you're familiar with in every other sector of society in uh, you know, how America operates in the world, and in national security, there are gaps, too, and ones that really make the difference between life and death and whether we're going to live in a secure world or not. Mm-hmm. And in two decades now or so of doing this, can you talk about just the evolution of what you've seen from private industry in terms of interest in supporting these gaps? Has it changed? Are we stronger? Are we more disconnected now? What's your take in, in watching over the past years? Well, the... the I started the organization motivated by the attacks of 9-11 and, and for quite a long time, 
uh, everything that we were doing and what was motivating national security was counterterrorism. And uh, what we've seen in the last, you know, five, six, eight, uh, you know, 10 years really with uh, Russia and then the uh, PRC, People's Republic of China, uh, becoming major existential threats to not only, you know, America, but what we stand for even more so, that uh, what has been uh, needed and what those gaps are has changed quite a bit over time. But the the idea of having, uh, with Spirit of America, a flexible, mission-driven capability, and the only reason we exist is to support what you know, the United States is trying to accomplish and what our troops and diplomats are trying to accomplish, a capability which supports to ex- solely exists to support that is, uh, you know, it's as relevant, even more relevant now against the uh, larger threats and challenges that we face. So in the Wayback Machine, I got almost 20 years ago, I think, I was at uh, U.S. Special Operations Command, and I remember you coming in for one of the earliest briefs. And, uh, you know, we had some really good forward-thinking commanders there. And they told the senior staff, hey, we've got this guy coming in. He's got this really interesting idea of a nonprofit to help us. Um, you know, I want you to come to take their briefing. And I was a little bit, you know, okay, what's this going to look like? Um, and it ended up being a really interesting, uh, you know, turning point. And in, in again, a little bit of me thinking about problems differently. What was like, how did you get this off the ground? Like, you know, you had the idea, you were inspired by 9-11, but like, what were those first steps in kind of the early years that have led to now this you know, really, really impactful nonprofit. Well, I'll tell you the story where the idea uh, came from, because as I said, I didn't have any military or government background at all, which was almost entirely a huge advantage. Uh, And partly because I didn't know what couldn't be done. But the other was that I didn't know what should be done. So it it created an open-mindedness in the organization and asking questions of people closest to the problem that still is a, you know, a core to how we operate today. But the, the idea for Spirit of America uh, came about when I was uh, channel surfing in 2003, back when people still channel surfed. And I, I stumbled upon this National Geographic show that told the story of a, a U.S. Special Forces team in Afghanistan. And the scene that caught my eye was this uh, Special Forces Sergeant, uh, Sergeant First Class Jay Smith, and behind him, there were Afghan uh, boys and girls playing baseball with, with other uh, U.S. soldiers. And he told the story of how this came to be. And it was that, uh, you know, he had taken over his baseball mitt and, and uh, a baseball to play catch in his free time. And then the kids in the village started to play with it. So uh, Sergeant Smith called his wife, Diane, and said, honey, can you send over enough bats, balls, and mitts so these kids can play a game? Uh, you know, a real game. And so she did, she raised money from family and friends and coworkers, sent the stuff over and voila, you know, you would never expect to see baseball in Afghanistan. You would be thinking about soccer. So, but Sergeant Smith saw a need, saw an opportunity to build relations with the, the children and the adults in this village. And uh, he reached back for, you know, it wasn't going to happen through uh, the Department of Defense. So we reached back for the small scale humanitarian assistance from his wife. And, uh, uh, so I thought that was the light bulb moment for Spirit of America. I thought, you know, uh, people like Sergeant Smith are really our frontline ambassadors in the world. They have greater influence on the perceptions of who Americans are and what we stand for than our official ambassadors in most cases. And I was sure that there would be other men and women like Sergeant Smith that needed something to support their missions that they couldn't get through government or couldn't get it fast enough. Uh, and I knew there would be other Americans like me who would be happy to help if only they knew what was needed. So I tracked down Sergeant Smith, who's the producer of the show, 
Uh, he wanted to meet with him because you know, as an entrepreneur, you always want to talk to people who really know what's happening, even if you think you have a really bright idea. And uh, he said, great, we'll meet at Fort Bragg on June 1st. And I said, awesome, where's Fort Bragg? <laughs> and uh, so uh, what he uh, then told me was that uh, because of the small scale assistance that was really delivered through friends and family back home, and the lubricant that that provided for trust and goodwill with the villagers, the villagers ended up forming a night watch patrol to protect our soldiers from Al Qaeda that had been crossing the Pakistan border at night and firing rockets on their camp. And he had kept, you know, he explained this after he kept saying, this is going to save lives, you know, the idea for what became Spirit of America. And when he told me, when he actually explained how and why it would save lives, I, I thought, oh man, now I really have to do this, <laughs> you know, because starting something's hard, right? And, and uh, so I, that's when I got it off. So, so what were your first like moves for all those out there who are, who have another great idea? So one of them is talking to the experts and testing, all right, what were other, some of your first moves to get this off the ground? Well, in, in talking to people, one of the big things is, uh, you know, people like to guard their ideas really closely and they want to perfect them and, you know, and then launch them in some big way. And what I would say is talk to as many people as you can, as fast as you can to get feedback on that idea. The, the, the more fluid that uh, collaborative process is of developing an idea, the more successful you're going to be. And talk to a diverse range of people too. You know, if it's in a business, it's the customers, whoever the stakeholders are, get out there and get messy in the marketplace and don't you know, sit in your garage and, and uh, try to do something in isolation. The, the anti-stealth mode, huh? The, the anti-stealth mode, exactly. And you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, the first company that I worked for in Silicon Valley was Rational or Rational Software. And they uh, developed, were developing advanced software development technology. And the big idea then, which has a different name now in terms of agile development, but it was rapid prototyping. And so you, as an entrepreneur, you want to rapidly prototype your idea as, as best you can and get messy and get in the marketplace. That's great advice and something that's come up often when we talk about the National Security Industrial Network on our show, because it's been evolving so much, like you, you talked about, even just how, how um, the term has evolved. Um, can you talk about maybe some of our listeners don't know exactly what a 501c3 is. And, and we've hinted here that nonprofits are an important part of this industrial network. Can you talk about what makes a 501c3 unique to help and why it's a little bit different than others? And actually, Ben's, who's who star show, as you know, is also a 501c3. So I think great for our listeners to hear about this. Yes. And, and, and Ben's is an awesome organization in terms of nonprofits in the national security space. It's really Ben's in, in doing the things that Ben's does and Spirit of America are really the only players uh, because it's a hard space to break into and actually add value. So the, uh, the Spirit of America is a privately funded nonprofit and we don't receive and would not accept government funding. So everything that we do, whether it's you know providing non-lethal assistance to Ukrainian armed forces today to help Ukraine win or uh, helping stand up uh, and mobilize citizens in Taiwan for self-defense and preparedness, Everything we're doing is in support of national security, but with private funds. So, and it's a, a, a key distinction in that. So, with nonprofits, there are certain uh, places that uh, you you can um, have access to, and because you can come in and not have a commercial agenda, and 
you know, as a business person myself, there's not, I, I'm all for commercial agendas and people making money doing what they do, but having a nonprofit structure gives you certain access and a, a certain ability to collaborate, especially with those in the national security community that a for-profit business couldn't have. It's so you don't, it's not just having one or the other, you need that ecosystem and it's the ecosystem of, of uh, alternative uh, options to get things done that has been so uh, absent in national security over the years. Mm-hmm. And I imagine to be effective, you have to have trust on both sides. And and I'm curious how you prioritize that or develop that, especially on the government side when it seems so difficult to break into. Well, with Spirit of America, the the idea started at the first and really only person I talked to before starting the organization was Sergeant First Class Jay Smith. What I didn't know is if I talked to the next layer up, it would have cascaded upwards and it never would have happened because there would have been all the reasons that it couldn't work. So, uh, you know, having started at that lower level and just trying something and proving that it worked. And by the time we actually needed to get legal approval for what we were doing, we had been doing it for at that point, seven years and had trust built based on results produced, you know, in on the ground in Iraq and Afghanistan and Africa uh, with, uh, you know, the, the first two officers that I met were at the time, Colonel Joe Dunford, who was the chief of staff to Major General Jim Mattis at the first Marine Division. So, and that was in 2003. So by the time the legal issues became real issues in, in 2010, we had built trust in some really important places. So, but starting small and not trying to solve a systemic problem uh, is a important approach, at least uh, in, in our, my experience. Yeah. And I, I remember, again, I think I was at SOCOM and around that 2010, and I think you were able to achieve, I think, something that's never really been achieved before with the DOD is getting the NDAA to give you legal backing and all. How did you work your way through, you know, what, what problem were you trying to solve there? And, and I'm sure that was another uh, trail of tears trying to get that uh, work through. <laughs> trail of tears is a, a pretty good way to put it. Uh, and so what I, again, I, I, when we first bumped into uh, the legal, let's say, objections or issues, uh, it was in 2010. And th- it was because we, uh, working with Marines, uh, both Spirit of America and the Marines thought it would be a good idea to have personnel on the ground, essentially embedded with Marine units in Afghanistan. So our personnel could be looking at what the Marines were trying to accomplish from the standpoint of how do we bring in private assistance to help? Because the Marines are not, you know, trained trained up to to think about that. So that's when we bumped into legal objections. Uh, that's when they said, "Well, you know, doing that violates the Joint Ethics Regulation." And I said, "What's that?" <laughs> and uh, anyway, which it, it it is important, of course. So it took uh, from that point until 2018 to uh, get to the point where we now have an agreement, Spirit of America has an agreement with the Department of Defense that provides a worldwide legal and operational framework for the military's ability to collaborate with us. So it allows the military to talk to us, identify needs, receive and distribute assistance, provide logistical support, all at the military's discretion. And that was because of language in two different NDAAs, uh, a legal framework that was created along the way, uh, but that was done in... uh, 2018. And one of the reasons I was so persistent in in pursuing that was I realized that agreement was, uh, would really help open the system uh, to private assistance. And open systems create greater innovation, better results, 
And so for me, it was a quest to open the system, to be able to get private assistance in the way that we do at Spirit of America in support of national security objectives. And it's, it's so give our listeners a sense of the scale now from, from this idea almost 20 years ago from a sergeant to now, you know, what's the size, what's the impact uh, that Spirit of America now has been able to achieve well, we provided assistance in over 100 countries over that time frame. Uh, right now, our major efforts are in Ukraine, uh, Taiwan, and West Africa, and uh, Iraqi Kurdistan. And in Ukraine, uh, over you know, since we, we've been we've been active in Ukraine since 2014, uh, and especially active since the full scale invasion in, in uh, February of 2022. And since that invasion, we've been uh, entirely focused on providing non-lethal assistance to help Ukraine win. And most people are not familiar with nonprofits or non-governmental organizations that take a side. And we take America's side, we're not neutral, uh, and we're taking Ukraine's side. And you know, humanitarian organizations will not support military efforts. In Ukraine, the most humanitarian thing that can be done, in my opinion, in our opinion, is to stop the suffering at its source. And there's one source of the suffering in Ukraine, and it's the Russian Federation. So to help Ukraine win, to stop Russia, has a humanitarian uh, element to it for sure, but is also uh, core to uh, US uh, security interests. So uh, over 100 countries, that's pretty incredible. And um, it's clear that allies and partners are key to national security and and national prosperity. Can you talk about the role Spirit of America plays in, in furthering uh, our interests around strong partnerships in that sense? Well, it, it's you know, the small example with Sergeant Smith and the Afghan villagers is scalable in a lot of ways. And uh, the you know now late uh, George Schultz, who was on our board of advisors, uh, put it this way, said, you know, what Spirit of America helps our troops and diplomats do is produce results and deliver on what they say they're going to do. And uh, and that's happened, you know, with Ukraine, we've uh, raised uh, more than $66 million for non-lethal assistance in the last year and a half. Uh, so it works on that scale and it works at the village scale, is to be able to help the United States deliver on what the United States says it's going to do and help our personnel deliver is a huge trust builder. So, and you can only, the way that works best is with, you know, private citizen-based approach like ours along with what government can do. Those two together working in total alignment just uh, produces the best results and helps reassure partners and allies that, well, these people, these Americans are actually really with us. So it's it's really interesting to see that. Um, but I'm sure just like in your tech companies before, it's a talent-driven thing. You can't just you know put anybody to do this. You've got to find the right talent. How, how do you sense, how do you attract talent uh, and do you think this is, you know, the nonprofit or companies like Spirit of America is a way for those who want to serve, but maybe not in a direct military way to contribute? How do you see that playing out? Well, well, first, you're uh, 100% right that it's about talent and people. Um, you know, the right uh, people with a mediocre idea are going to do great. The wrong people with a great idea are not going to get very far. The same thing is true for us at Spirit of America, and we have some very unique requirements. Uh, our operations team, uh, in particular, needs to be uh, you know great listeners. They need to be very entrepreneurial because 
we have total flexibility for what we do to support U.S. national security objectives. Uh, you know, the, the main constraint is that we don't do lethal assistance. So everything is non-lethal. Some of it's humanitarian, economic, or, or partner force assistance, as in the case of Ukraine. So we're, our job as an organization, especially our ops team, is to be in search of opportunity, which is really the definition of entrepreneurship. So um, to find the right people who can uh, build trust, maintain trust with U.S. personnel, local part partners, uh, and find opportunity and then execute on it, really hard thing to do. So for, um, you know, that, that's just in the case of Spirit of America. The nonprofit world does provide a different kind of platform for people to engage and help the mission, help the fight, you know, the fight for freedom and democracy in the world. Nonprofits can, you know, offer some opportunities that for-profits don't. By the same token, you know, I don't view, except for, you know, the obvious kind of uh, structural piece, which is not, there's no, no one owns a nonprofit. You cannot profit from a nonprofit. But apart from that, I don't view a nonprofit in terms of how you run it as any different from a business. And you know, I run Spirit of America that way, exactly the same way, except for the obvious things, uh, you know, with ownership and such, uh, exactly the same way that uh, I would run a business. It's so interesting. And, and it seems to play a really important role in the national security ecosystem. And now you've been part of both the national security and technology space for a long time now. I'm curious uh, at your assessment of how the industrial base is doing to keep up with the pacing national security threats. The growth and presence of entrepreneurial and venture-backed companies in national security to me is one of the most encouraging things that's happened over the last, I'll say, you know, 10 or so years uh, with the, uh, you know, the, the Defense Innovation Unit and other uh, attempts and activities to get more entrepreneurs involved in national security. I, I think that's very, very encouraging. At the, by the same token, the uh, national security system is not really user-friendly to innovation, especially external innovation. So there's a long way to go there. And I, I don't think that's why well, it's improved a little bit, but um, uh, the awareness of what, it, what a whole of America approach would actually do for the country, I think is still, it's, it's hard to action at that level. Uh, and so I think there's a long way to go. Yeah, I think you're, you know, that's why we like talking about a network because I, I do think to be effective, it's going to take all the elements, nonprofits all the way to for-profit, to entrepreneur, to established established primes. I want to pivot a little bit and talk about, you know, just role as a senior leader. And, you know, it should be no surprise doing this for 20 years, uh, you know, can be a grind. You're taking on, you know, conventional thinking and, and as we talked about legal thinking, all that. How do you stay fresh? What, what have you done to help keep yourself fresh? Because every time we get together, I'm fired up. You know, it's, uh, you know, 20 years afterwards, we were just, you know, talking about haven't seen each other for a little while yet. And, uh, you know, to me, you're always staying fresh. What are you, any tips or tricks for those out there who are kind of grinding away right now on how to stay motivated and fired up? Well, it, it's, it's kind of you to say that. And I feel the same way that when I see you, I get fired up. And that actually points to one of the, the most important things, I think, which is it's the people that you have around you. And because you know, no, nothing worth doing, probably almost you know, really nothing at all, frankly, can you really do just by yourself? And with any of these challenges that we're talking about, of course, it takes a lot of people involved. 
And if you're trying to do something new, it is a lot harder because the inertia you know, can be uh, very tough to deal with. So it's about really the, the people that you surround yourself with. And, uh, you know, for us at uh, Spirit of America, the selection of people is key. We have a, uh, you know, in terms of our hiring guidelines at the top of the list is no assholes. And, and we, we really mean that. And we've been really uh, good at, at uh, adhering to that. But there are other uh, values that we require uh, and values that we encourage and keep talking about. You know, the, our core values are not just words on paper. They are really important to our fulfillment of our mission and to be able to have that kind of alignment that we need. So you know, a couple of those uh, involve, one of those involves uh, openness, which is both open communication. You say what you think and you're open-minded. And another one is, um, you know, assume positive intent because nobody's perfect, right? So if you have the right people around you and you provide the right culture, that makes a, a, a big, big difference. And, and for me as the uh, leader of the organization, having uh, folks on our uh, board of advisors, like, uh, you know, we talked about General Dunford, General Mattis, Michelle Flournoy, uh, HR McMaster. Those are people who are, and a lot of ways, kindred spirits and provide me and the organization with a lot of uh, strength during difficult times. And our board of directors, same thing. Well, Jim, on that note, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about the role Spirit of America and nonprofits in general play in the National Security Industrial Network. Um, it was great advice to our listeners and uh, appreciate you, you coming on to talk about it. Thank you very much. It was a real pleasure and honor to be with you. You've been listening to Building the Base, a podcast from the Business Executives for National Security. Join hundreds of senior leaders and executives dedicated to the mission of keeping our nation safe. Check out our projects we're currently working with, important upcoming events, and the many ways you can get involved at www.bens.org.